0: Yes, yes. Hey, so uh, just so you know, like every week we're gonna be promoting our social media and um, just kind of that means the Lord has given us these tools and it's not so that we can be the popular church or the cool church or the cutting edge church, but it's so that people can be aware of what church is in their community. There are a few church, uh, people that are sitting in our church that are like, I love this church. But I had no clue it was here. And so things like social media are tools that God can use so that we can get the word out and that we can have more brothers and sisters uh, in communion and in fellowship and in community with us. Amen? Amen. 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 Hey, well, I'm Renee. And I'm excited to be giving you uh, the word today um i i will say another thing really quickly before we jump in and that is um we've started talking about and maybe it just kind of seemed out of the blue but we really believe the lord has birthed this idea of discipleship classes jesus says go and make discipleships uh, go and make disciples of all men baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that we're not called to just sit in the seats of church and say yes to Christ and then our lives go on from there, but we're called to be disciples of Christ. And what does that look like? What does that look like to follow in the footsteps of Jesus? If I were to say, uh, we're going to take a Bible quiz right now and take out your you know notes and we're, I'll ask you a series of questions like, You might be like, "Uh uh-oh, wait, what is she gonna ask? Um, And and what I would say to you is that we as believers should know the word, we should know why we believe what we believe, and we shouldn't be afraid of like questions or answers or Bible quizzes, um, that you can be equipped, that there are so many resources out there um, for you to be a believer that is in the know. Um, and so what what is on our hearts is that we would have these discipleship classes whether you're strong in the Lord um, how many of you know like the more you know God and the more you're walking with him the more you realize like I am a fool I need him I need him I need him I need him and if we're new in the Lord we're excited and so that excitement is like a passion that we're I mean, we just like sponges and we're ready to grow and learn and so these classes are Aren't designed just for like uh, oh you're brand new in Jesus it's like anybody if you've been walking with the Lord or if you've been follow um, if you're brand new to the faith um, we want to like let's disciple let's walk this road of discipleship together so we're going to be offering classes you guys I'm going to be teaching the first class for the first four weeks we're going to start in the AV room um, from 850 to to 920. We will provide childcare if you have kids, and um, we'll have like a little extended arc time and snacks for them. But what we want to do is, in those 30 minutes, Just taking 30 minutes, which is really short, of just doing some in-depth biblical training. It's going to be different from the messages that happen in here. Um, It'll be like a class, and so um, our our first class will be next steps, like to know God, know your purpose, and how to like walk it out in this world. Um, And then our second class, we're super excited. That's going to be offered in January, and that's going to be um, Pastor John will actually teach us how to study the bible and this is more than just reading it for your daily devotions like how do you study different chunks and portions of scripture and how does it affect our lives and finally um in like march sometime we'll have uh chels teaching our theology class knowing what you believe and why you believe it our theology of god theology of why we do church theology of sin where did it come from and why is it here and will it ever get better these are questions that we want to help answer through the bible and through training like i said you're not supposed to sit in church and if i were to say let's have a test i'm scared like we should be able to be confidently following the lord amen Amen. So with that said, why don't we turn our Bibles or turn our attention to the screen or your notes. We're going to jump right into James chapter 1, 18 through 27. I'm going to go ahead and read. Would you guys please stand with me as we read God's word? You can follow along with your eyes. Okay, starting with verse 18. James 1. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking, at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard but doing it they will be blessed in all that they do those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worth it worthless religion that god the father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world this is the um, the word of the Lord would you please pray with me this morning uh, Lord we thank you for your words we thank you for your truth Lord. we thank you for the book of James and the wisdom that it has and all the 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 things that we can grow from and learn from Lord I pray right now that our hearts would be fertile soil Lord, that today that we would truly um, apply your word. We would not just listen. We would not just be hearers. But, Lord, that we would be doers. Lord, we welcome your presence. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. Amen. 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 You guys may be seated. So we're just a real quick review on the book of James. We know that um, the first week we talked about James, we talked about James being the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. Um, and you can imagine what that must have felt like. But when James writes his book, as someone who has lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, really knows who Jesus is. And you know, anytime like, like you know, we have a family member that's like really awesome, we're like, oh, that's my son right? Or like, that's my friend. I know them. You know, like my brother at one point in his life was like a nationally ranked triathlete. He was number one in the world. And I was like Johnny's sister. And I'm like, that's okay with me because Johnny's pretty awesome. And Johnny is my brother. He is Uh my brother. But that's not the heart that James had. He wasn't like... Jesus was my brother. So if you want to know anything about Jesus and, you know, I'm pretty awesome. I'm the brother of Jesus Christ. He didn't say that. He didn't identify himself as that. What did he identify himself as? Does does anybody remember? A slave slave or a servant. Like, I am a servant to Jesus Christ. He didn't use his position. He didn't use, like, the family to, like, name drop. And I think that's really amazing um, that James is such a sweet, humble heart. Um, he says, when we've talked about this, in, in our next lesson or our next, um, the next Sunday we talked about consider it pure joy when you face trials and temptations because it's producing and it's working in your hearts and in your lives. How many of you have ever had trials or struggles or temptations? Like all of us, right? And we we're like, yeah, I'm living there right now. Um, so James is James is is really talking to the church and really trying to encourage the church. Um, He says, blessed is the man who preserves, who perseveres under trials. Um, The book of James itself is filled with lots of wisdom. So if you read the the five short chapters in James, it's like, wow, that's good. That's good too. That's amazing. And it's all this wisdom tidbits and, and awesome things. But what's super interesting about James and what I found in my study of James is that James is like a commentary of the Sermon on the Mount. So do you remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? And even the Beatitudes where he says, blessed is the man. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. And if you look all through James, that kind of language is sprinkled through James. So James is essentially taking the Sermon on the Mount and breaking it down. Like, how do we live and act and move and think and breathe like Jesus? And that's what the book of James is about. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And James gives us extremely very practical um, ways. I think a lot of times when we read the book of James, it can be like, oh, I just, you know, for some moralistic or therapeutic reasons. But really, the book of James is a practical uh, living out of your faith. James is reflecting. He's probably thinking. Like Jesus is gone now. He's ascended to heaven, and he's thinking about those days where like 5,000 and Jesus is feeding them and then how he's speaking and loving on them and that's what he's writing about. That's what he's reflecting on and he's applying it to the life. If you turn to um, Matthew seven twenty-four, verse 24 and 27, I think that's on the screen. This is how the Sermon on the Mount ends. Therefore... The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. James's heart for the believers as he's writing the letter of James is that they would walk in the way and the wisdom of Jesus, the way that he outlines, that they wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but they would be doers of the word. Jesus wants people us the believers to build our lives our community he wants us to build our community in our lives amidst the trials and the temptations and the behaviors and the things that we struggle with he wants us to build our lives on the solid rock now, James, interestingly enough, he is a pastor in Jerusalem as he's writing these letters. So he's in the trenches. Like, if anybody thinks being a pastor is a glamorous job, it is not, okay? <laughs> I think every like my husband is the pastor and I like help him. But like at the end of every like Sunday, I go home and I have this dirt line. I'm like, oh my gosh. <sighs> like I I promise I was clean when I came to church, but I go home with like dirt, like in cracks in the crevices of it is not a glamorous job. James is in the trenches, he sees the struggles of the church, he knows what people are going through. But he addresses the heart of the problem. He says, I see your struggles. Rejoice in those trials and the temptations because God is doing something. And then he addresses the heart of the problem. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And the heart of the problem is, do you believers that profess to have faith, do you actually have faith? Do you actually have faith? And so with that On verse 18 I feel like if we can go back to verse 18 Noah um, verse 18 is kind of like the hinge that that everything kind of stands on and I'm gonna reread that he chose us to give birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits that he created okay this is not talking about Um, It says he chose us to give birth through the word. This is not your birthday, your born date. This is your rebirth date. This is the day that you said yes to Jesus because of the word of truth. So the word of truth went out. God's word of truth went out, and you responded to that. This is what this is talking about, that you were given birth through the word of truth that went out. That we might be a kind of first fruits, that um, um, of all He created. Now, what in the world does first fruits mean? The Bible says that you were first fruits. Um, I think that a lot of times in our Christian circles, like we have little slogans and saying like, "Hey, how are you? I'm too blessed to stress." Like, has anybody heard that one? Yeah okay blessed we live in hawaii okay there's like there's little slogans and there's things that we like you know we pick up like we you know even though we're having a hard time we're like but god is still good he is risen Okay, good job. Two people. That's the code. That is the code. He is risen risen. indeed. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, so let me tell you this really funny story. I, uh, you guys know that I was a lifeguard, but before I was actually a lifeguard in like big open water, scary place, people actually drowning and dying. Before that, I worked at a pool. And this one particular summer, it was like our busiest pool. We probably had about 30 lifeguards. We had all different kinds of programs. So at any given day, there was swim lessons, junior lifeguards, swim team, synchronized swim, um, dive team, water aerobics, swim lessons, um, lap swim, free swim. So. Every day, there was always something. A lot of people, super hot where I lived, and so about 30 lifeguards it took to run this pool. And I remember I had this friend, Pam. Now Pam comes from a family of uh, like her dad. She's a a Chinese-American girl. Her mother was Chinese, born and raised in like a Buddhist family, and the American dad was just super passive, let the mom raise the kids as Buddhists. Anyways, so she's like 17, and she somehow gets to a youth group somehow like responds to the gospel and she is like pumped about jesus like pumped about jesus and i'm like 19 she's like 17 and so um anytime i'd walk into the pool so the gate you know the entry would be like somewhere over here and then like a huge pool and then way at the other end of the pool would be pam and she's sitting on the lifeguard tower and i'd walk into work and she's like renee and i'm like hey pam she's like isn't God so awesome? And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Every time I walk in, if she was on tower and she would say something like, Doesn't Jesus reign forever? And I'm like, yes, he does. Um, but First fruits is something she never said. Okay, she was never like Renee. Aren't you glad that we're first fruits? (laughs) Okay, like no Christian says that. What the heck does that even mean? Well, let me kind of explain what that means and why that's so important and why that paints a picture for the Jewish believers and it should paint a picture for us as a church. And that is first fruits. Back in Leviticus and how the, the the Jewish or the the Israelites would um, do life, it would be at the beginning of the season, you're supposed to bring your first fruits or the sheaf of your first fruit, you bring that to the priest and that, that whatever small load and that whatever first fruit that you had was to be a glimpse of the harvest to come. Like if, this, if you have this much as a first fruit, can you imagine like the harvest is coming this year for your crops. And so that's what it means to have first fruits. That in this portion of scripture, that he says that you were rebirthed, you were birthed by the word of truth that was spoken to be his first fruits. That God has decided to redeem and change people first. And that the church that you and me is just a glimpse of what is to come, of what the community of heaven is going to be like, except for it's gonna be every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And there's gonna be so much love and joy and harmony and peace, and that we living on earth, as dim as sometimes as these thoughts may be. Can you imagine the first century of like Jewish believers that are in the trenches? they're amidst like Roman persecution and and all these other things, outside forces. And he's saying, you are first fruits. This is just a glimpse of what's to come, that God is making all things new, that he is redeeming the earth, all of creation. But it starts with you and the human heart. You are first fruits of what's to come. And I believe that that God would call the church first fruit is a beautiful picture and is a beautiful vision of what's to come. A vision of their identity, James gives them a vision of their identity and their destiny in order to transform their character. He points to their identity, this is who you are, especially in the midst of trial and temptation. If we don't have a picture or a vision of what God is doing, of where we're going, of what the story is, we will fall, we will struggle, we will not finish well. James first starts with the beauty, a beautiful picture of what the church is to be like. I think, I think back toward my younger days when I first started learning the piano and how I was so captivated by the beauty of that instrument and how I would be so delighted to see like a concert pianist just play, like like butter, like, and I needed, as a musician, and if you play, you can probably, you know, relate to this, but you need a vision more than you need a rule book to start. You need to be like, this is what it could look like. And then when you're in the trenches, when you're in the struggle, when you're in the trial and your hands are hurting and you're like, I hate this, I hate scales, I hate these notes, I hate that the rhythm is like, doesn't sound what it's supposed to sound like. I can remember, but the vision of what I want to become, and that's what continues and presses me on to just keep going and being faithful to practice. Does that make sense? When you're going through the nitty-gritty of practicing, you remember the vision, and that's what keeps you going. It's because beauty transforms. Beauty transforms, not rules. And I think that, I mean, especially with playing an instrument, like you need to have that vision. But you need to get those rules down. You know what I'm saying? It's not, not either or. It's those things together is what makes beautiful music. And I believe that that's how it is with life. But some of us, some of us are trying to follow the rules, trying to do the list. What does the Bible say? How am I supposed to live? I'm not supposed to lie. I'm not supposed to murder. I'm not supposed to do these things. And we're following those rules. But our hearts, were never stunned by the beauty of what God has done. Our hearts are never like, wow, that's like, I I love you and I follow you and I don't do those things because that just breaks your heart. And I'm like in awe of who you are. I feel like with my kids, you guys know, I think most of you know that I, I homeschool them. They're pastor's kids. I mean, they were like born in the church, okay? Like literally um, every day they never miss. and part of our homeschooling and like i'm a i'm a biblically trained that's like what my degree is in so every day we do like devotions but like with a biblically trained person do you know what i'm saying like so they get devotions every day with mom who knows the word and so i can kind of you know and 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 so my heart and my prayer for them they see miracles like i could i could preach a long time about the miracles that we have seen like we don't have any money <gasps> there's a $1000 in our mailbox <gasps> like our kids have seen these kinds of miracles to where I'm like I pray that this doesn't become regular to them that you be- that they become like callous to God's grace they become callous to God's word they become callous to his miracle i pray that that they would have those God-stunning moments that are like Jesus. I want to follow you with everything regardless of what mom is doing Regardless of what dad is doing. I've made a commitment to follow Jesus. That's my heart. That's my prayer for my kids When our hearts are stunned by his beauty it transforms us And if we can think about this moral instruction without a captivating vision of beauty will only produce whitewashed tombs and rebels James starts here, I know your trials and temptations. Here's a beautiful picture of what you're supposed to be. And then he admonishes them how to live. This is what you're supposed to look like, and then this is how you are to live. If I could go back to my friend Pam really briefly, brand new in Jesus, super duper excited. I believe, like as I was putting this sermon together, I was like, I think we did did good. Like as, as we worked out our season in that pool, like I think What James is talking about is what we did. And let me explain. Um, We had, so Pam, you know, Jesus is awesome. I'm like, yeah. And then I'd come into the office, right? And then I'd have, like, some really cool person be like, so what's up with Pam? Like, she's weird, huh? And then I would, like, be like, we're all a little weird. And she'd be like, oh, my gosh, stop. And then, you know, we'd laugh or whatever. Or it's like somebody would come in and be like, so So God is awesome, huh? And I'm like, yes, he is. And they're like, whoa. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't really argue with me. And I had opportunity to be like, yeah, she is weird. Like, I don't do that. I didn't say that. I had opportunities to be like, yeah, she's a weird one. Like, we're not like that at our church. (laughs) Pam probably had opportunities to talk bad about me, too. She didn't. As a matter of fact, me and Pam didn't talk bad about anybody at that pool. You got to think like, this is like, you know, like young adults, older high schoolers, a lot of drama, a lot of loose living, a lot of partying, and me and Pam didn't engage in any of that. We didn't talk, we didn't cuss, we didn't swear, we didn't gossip. So many times, like, we would find ourselves in situations where people would be like, can I talk to you about something? And then all of a sudden, they would just confess and be like, what do I do? And you're like, oh, let me pray for you. <laughs> like, that's heavy. I don't know what to say. I never even kissed a boy. I don't know what you're going to do, but I can pray for you. And so, uh, so you know, we would... We, Pam and me both got promoted to management positions. We were both hard workers. We never talked bad about each other. Um, to this day, she, she and her husband, um, they, they lived in China. She was a missionary, and she called me up like this past year, like, Renee, I'm in China. I'm coming to Hawaii just for like a night. Do you have time to meet with me? I don't have any other Christian friends right now. I need someone to meet with me. And as i look back it it didn't end up working out i wasn't in town and we didn't meet but as i look back at what me and pam me and pam were a light to the world we were a light to our pool community and we could have totally easily discredited the name of christ and the name of what god was doing in our hearts if we're like yeah pam is weird yeah renee is weird and we engage in that kind of gossip does that make sense So we're called to be a light. And so James says, this is who we are. This is how you're to be. And then he addresses their behavior in verse 19 and 20. Now here, we're going to jump into it, guys. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. This is the nitty gritty. So 19 and 20. And I should, you know, well, yeah, I can get to that later. Okay, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Take note of this. Take note of this. Anytime the Bible, I mean, you should like kind of take note because it's the Bible, but anytime the Bible says to take note of this, take note, underline, scribble it out, memorize it, learn it, make sure you're doing what this says. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The thing is, is that this church that James was writing to, there was anger in their mouths. And how they spoke was not pleasing to God. So he is saying, you're first fruits. But anger, your anger is not a good fruit. And he's not just talking about your outbursts. You know how sometimes we get angry, and we say what we're going to say in our anger. He's not talking about the outburst. Remember, Jesus always talks to the deeper person, the deep root. He's talking about that deep-rooted anger, that settled anger in your heart. The anger that fuels, that energizes those outbursts. Jesus is always talking deeper. Remember in the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, You've never murdered, but you have hate in your heart. Anger is an issue, and I believe that some of us battle with anger more than we'd ever dare to admit, and you're denying it, and you're justifying it, but you're a slave to it. That like you have to respond in anger, because that's what's in you. I want to say today that God wants to heal you he wants to transform you and this is why we need the gospel that every day we need the gospel every day like jesus you died for my sin you rose again you broke the power of sin like i do not have to respond in anger when sin comes knocking at the door john piper says you never outgrow your need for the gospel that we as christians are constantly like jesus i need I need you, Jesus, over this area, over this situation in my life. I need you to transform me. We need Jesus to heal us and set us free and transform our hearts so that we look more. So when I look in the mirror, I don't see, man, Renee looks good today. I don't see Renee. I see Jesus. But what I love about Jesus and what I love about the book of James is that God invites you today. If you've been struggling and dealing with anger and you're not letting the power of the gospel transform that portion of your life, God invites you today. So let's look at the next verse. Verse 21. Here's the invitation, church. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Verse 21, Noah. Next, next slide. There we go. Therefore, get rid of... Moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accept the word of God that is planted to you and which can save you. No, I'll just leave that up there. Take off, to remove those filthy rags. God invites you today to take this off and come before Him clean. That that I like Pinterest, so if you guys like Pinterest, you know like you can scroll and look at all these amazing pictures and ideas and inspiration for your art or for your homes or for your cars or whatever. Anyways, there is there's these rooms that I started to notice and they're called mud rooms. They're not I don't think we have them here, but like kind of in the east coast they have these things called mud rooms. And mud rooms are essentially like a room like kind of inside but outside, you know, before you actually enter into the house. And these mud rooms are designed, like when you're outside, you're in the mud, you're messy, you've had your day, and you come in, you can take off your dirty jacket, you can take off your dirty boots, and you can kind of get clean before you come into Mama's house because you better not scrub your filth and your mud and your junk all over Mom's house. How much more the house of God Don't bring your filthy rags into the house of God. The Lord invites you. Take it off. Take it off. And um, James takes their concerning behavior, their anger, their quick-to-speak-and-slow-to-listen behavior, and he brings it straight to the gospel. You see right here, he says, Humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. There it is again. The word which is planted in you, which has the power to save you. I think that our ears as a church should perk up when it's like, hey, do you want to be saved? Or take note of this. Like, we should be listening to this. And that um, at this point, when he says, you know, you have anger issues, and then he says, get rid of it and humbly accept. At this point, James addresses their need for a savior he does not say okay sign up for a management class because that's been known to help <gasps> take a deep breath for like 10 times because that really helps you cool off in the moment he doesn't give you a list of things to do he says come back to the Word of God let that save you I'm left to ourselves you guys we cannot please God Just living in our own way, the way what we do, we cannot please God no matter how good, no matter how hard we try, no matter all the rules. But Jesus came, he died, he lived a perfect life, he died a wrath-absorbing death. He rose again, and we can have that freedom in Christ. Amen? You can be free. What's really interesting about this whole passage is that James is talking to those that think they are Christian, those are who are only hearers, that professing, professing Christians are deceived if their lives, professing Christians are deceived if their lives are filled with bad fruit if their lives are void of obedience and meekness to what they are hearing. Their hearts are filled with anger and jealousy, and it's spilling out into our words and into their lives. Those professing Christians are unaware that they're building their house on the sand and not the solid rock. I remember when I was in Bible college, we heard this one um, illustration one of the pastors gave, and he said, you know, we got to think of our lives like imagine you have a cup. Um, and maybe you've heard this before, but imagine the cup is filled to the brim, and you're just trying to get like, from to point A to point B. And so like you're walking with this cup, and then boom, somebody like, knocks you. And then what's going to happen when you get knocked and this cup is filled to the brim? Um, stuff is going to spill out. And what I would admonish you and encourage you with, they're like, what are you filling your cup with? What is spilling out when you get knocked? Is it cursings? Is it impatience? Is it lack of grace? Is it anger? I believe um, it was John Piper that says, no one is empty. He says, nobody's empty. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? And he said that we're all filled with something. And then he said, and I thought it was really interesting, he said, how do you not be hungry at Thanksgiving dinner? And I'm like, what? Okay, but think about it. If you came, you know, Thanksgiving dinner is something we always look forward to and, you know, kind of like starve ourselves the whole day. So when we get to that feast, we're ready to grind, right? (laughs) But if I wake up in the morning, I have like a loaf of white bread and then like a scoop of ice cream, and I just start filling up throughout the day. When I get to that table... I'm already filled, that's not even, like you know when really delicious food doesn't even look good because you're so full, right? And I believe that that's how it is with the word of God, that this delicious, amazing feast that the Lord has placed before us is like, meh, you know, whatever, um, because we're so filled with Netflix. That's my problem. Uh, Netflix, um, it may be music or uh, busyness, riches, temptations, lust, whatever, we're so filled up that it's hard for us to humbly receive God's word. And finally, let's look at verse 21. Um, The end of verse 21, it says, Humbly accept. So who says this is what you are to do. Take off those filthy clothes and then humbly accept the word that is planted in you. And what I would say when you think about that, um, how do you receive something that's already planted in you? The word is in you, but receive it. Like it's already in you, but receive it, because that's what this is saying. And I believe that as as I thought about it, I think it's like oxygen. Like in order for me to stand here in front of you, I have oxygen flowing through my blood, pumping my heart, and kind of like in the capillaries of everything in my body, I have oxygen, right? But I also, even though I have oxygen in my internal body, I still am breathing and taking in that steady supply second by second. I'm filled with oxygen and I continue to fill myself with oxygen. We need it um, in our internal bodies to work and we need it to take it in an external supply in order to live. Um, I've got oxygen in my body So I'm good, I'm not going to breathe. Said no one ever. (gasps) Okay? I think this is what happens, though that we go from Sunday (gasps) to Sunday, holding our breath. We go from Sunday to Sunday before we get God's word in us again, before we get that life-breathing oxygen. You cannot go from Sunday to Sunday holding your breath and expecting to live life to the fullest. And finally, we can see in verse like 23, the comparing and contrasting. I love this. He's like, here's a bad example, and then here's a good example. Um, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. He says deceive yourselves a lot. So I think being self-aware is important. Like, God, check my heart. Like, where am I at? Um, So examining yourself, I think it's so easy to be like, are you listening to this, spouse? You know, like, (laughs) no, check your heart. Do not deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after that, he looking away and immediately forgetting what he looks like. Next one, Noah. But... Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I think it's really interesting because when this was written, uh, mirrors were not a common thing. That we, I think they said that the average person gets a glimpse of themselves in the mirror about eight times a day. And it's probably even more with all the selfies and the Instagrams and like we know what we look like. But when this portion of scripture was written people weren't really aware of what they look like they might get a glimpse of themselves but it would be like through like a metal it wasn't even like a mirror that gave you like the sharpest clearest vision of yourself it was like a blurry image and what James is saying is like you're like that so it's not like looking into a regular mirror in today's world. he's talking to these people in this situation if like you're looking at a blurry image and it's left no lasting impression on you you walk away like unaffected and unmoved, and you continue on with your day. That when we read the word of God and we don't do what it says, it's like looking into a mirror and we walk away. No impression. No lasting effect. We're not doing anything. But then it contrasts that. But the man, blessed is the man. Can you put it back up, Noah, verse 25? But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. Blessed is the man. What does Psalm 1 say? Blessed is the man who walks, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner or sit at the seat of the scoffers, but his delight. Blessed is the man who his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield fruit, good fruit, in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. If anyone thinks they're religious and can't control his tongue, deceives himself, and we all have spouses and children and people that are in close proximity to our lives and if we're not putting a rein on our tongue like this is the indicator of our salvation like James is saying like I'm not are you really in Christ if you have no control over your anger and no control over what you say And then finally it ends with the religion that is acceptable. Now when they say religion, really quickly, I think religion's like, you hear people, Well, that's one of those slogans. I don't have a religion, I have a relationship. Um, Back in this day, religion just means being a Christ follower. If you think you're in Christ and you're still walking in this way, maybe check yourself, maybe you're deceived. But if you're in Christ, you're going to be living that law of love. You're going to be overseeing and looking at the widows and, and loving the orphans. And so this morning, we're going to close. I'm going to close with this. I know it was long today. I I had a a lot of scripture (laughs) to cover. Thank you for letting me share with you. Um, It's really easy, though, to hear something and forget. Uh, Just today, You know, we huddle up and we pray and we do all these amazing, you know, thank you, Jesus, before we even start. And Chelsea stopped us and said, excuse me, could I please ask that all of you who have parked your cars, could you move them so that we could? And I said, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And literally I walked away and completely (laughs) forgot. And it wasn't until like I was coming up here, I'm like, I didn't move my car. Like I saw my keys and I was like, oh, my gosh, it is so easy I mean that's not like even a sinful. You know what I mean? Like that's not even a bad thing. I mean this is bad. Like sorry, Chels, but but do you know what I mean? It's like we can be in God's word and we can hear a message like this on Sunday, and we can be like wow, and then completely forget <gasps> till next Sunday. And so I'll close with this: Is there any chance this morning? Is there any chance that you might be deceived? That you might be living, you're building your house on the the sand and not the solid rock of Jesus. In what ways are you not living? Like according to the beauty and the vision of what God has for your life, according to what God has for the church. Are you a slave to your anger? Are you controlled by your mouth? Are you saying, hey, I'm an apple tree, but the fruit you're bearing is an, of an orange tree? And I would say, look to Christ this morning that he invites you to come to him. He invites you to be washed with the gospel, washed with the power of his love, so you can be transformed and changed. He prepares a table for you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And I'll end with this, a quote from Charles Spurgeon. That's your favorite. <laughs> what would you say of a cook who prepares dinner for other people and yet died of salvation, starvation? Foolish cook, you say. Foolish hearers, I say. Are you going to be like Solomon's friends, the Terranians, who helped build the temple and yet went on worshiping their idols? Sirs and ma'ams, Are you going to look at the table of mercy, admire it, and yet refuse its provisions? I'm going to have um, John come up and, and pray for us as we contemplate these things.
1: Amen. Could we all stand together? And um, as we close in prayer, may I encourage you that uh, religion or morality says, like, oh man, I messed up. My dad is going to kill me. I messed up. But the gospel of Jesus says, I messed up. I need to find my dad that God loves you and accepts you, that you're the first fruit of his creation through the implanted word of God. And, uh, you know, as we really think about it, like we come before the Lord and all we really want is a, is, a, Lord, change me from the inside out, transform me may I always be in awe that I'll, that your grace is amazing, not that your grace amazed me that one point in my life, that your grace continues to amaze me every day, every second that I'm refreshed and I'm renewed by who you are, Jesus. And so um, as we go ahead and pray, just receive the fact that deception is possible (laughs) that you and i could just go through church we could play church we could read our bibles we could do our things but not unless our hearts are open and that we're transformed and that we're renewed then we could be really be the people of god that we could be confirmed and so uh let's close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer heavenly father we thank you so much lord for the word that's been implanted in us that could save our souls Lord, we pray that you would strengthen your people uh, this morning. Lord, we know a lot more than what we actually do. When we know more than what we actually do, Lord, that could leave us vulnerable to deception, that we could actually build our lives on, on sand, sinking sand. And so, Father, I pray that you would give strength right now that you would give resolve, that you would give uh, Holy Spirit empowerment, Lord, to do. Father, I pray, O Lord, for uh, just a heart, Lord, that's transformed, a heart that is fertile for your word, O Lord God. Lord, a message like this where we're confronted with our own anger and the things that make us angry, Lord, your word says that. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so, Father, we lay everything down before the cross. We look to you, Jesus, and we say thank you. Thank you for paying for all of our sins. Thank you for living a life of obedience that we could never live. Thank you for resurrecting from the dead so that we could have new life. We could have victory. That we don't have to be who we were, Lord, that we could be transformed and be renewed, oh Lord, to be through the image of your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, we we love you so much. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.